and welcome to another episode of Mike Love Star Wars. I'm your host, Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer. Spencer, how are you? Doing well, man. Spencer, we have a third today. We have another co-host. <laughs> triumphant is here. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing well. Glad to make part of the tricycle. I am glad to pull... We got the whole group back together, and I'm so glad we did, because Star Wars is back. Mandalorian is back. We've got Chapter 17, Season 3, Episode 1, The Apostate of Mandalorian. We have watched it. We are here to give our reactions. Before we jump into reactions, let's do a little housekeeping. Let's explain how we're going to do coverage of Mandalorian this year. We are going to, I think, the start of the season, midway through the season, and end of the season get Spencer. Yes. All the way, th- all the way through there, you'll get myself and Jamie when he can join, but you will get at least a episode covering Mandalorian for each episode of season three. You just might not get all three of us is what that means, but you will get at least one podcast per episode of Mandalorian season three coming at you on this podcast feed. I can talk Star Wars. That's enough of the housekeeping. We're done with the housekeeping. I'm going to, as ho- host of the podcast, I'm going to mm-hmm. turn it over to you two for 15 minutes to explain to the audience why this all sucks and everything's terrible because Grogu didn't spend more time with Luke. Fight amongst yourself on who wants to start. So as slight background, we have not talked about the episode, but we had previously talked about how we liked or didn't like how much time was spent not looking at the two of them separate. Mm-hmm. Um, my... my Something that I, I think Spencer said, and I think you said it oh, back in cha- uh, chapter two or that was season two or something, was how nice it would be to have a little bit of time apart. A it's a nice natural reason, right? It, there's nothing wrong with having an episode of Grogu training or having you know um, the Mandalorian off, giving them some space, letting them develop some stuff on their own. But for a short period of time before they get back together, because then together is important. It's it's what makes the show so loved. You don't want them gone forever. But a little bit of time, great. You've got a good excuse for a half season, maybe, of them apart. And then we decided not to have that. And we were unhappy with this. And, and you know, Lee was saying, eh, it's Star Wars. I love it because I love it because it's Star Wars. And I'm done talking about this now. And then we grumbled at each other for a while. I just feel that first two seasons were building up to the idea of reuniting Grogu. Who I'm going to continue calling Baby Yoda, despite the fact this episode is even mocking me on that subject. Um, with the Jedi, so that was, <laughs> that that was the objective. That was the purpose, and it built to an absolutely wonderful, one of the better Star Wars moments we've seen in years. Ending to season two when that happened, it was emotional. It was the return of the Luke that we all know and love onto the screen. Um, it was a well-earned moment. It was a, it was a truly great moment. And I thought it set up a wonderful opportunity for the show to do other new and exciting things with the characters apart, doing their own thing, growing, given the time they spent, they spent apart from each other, to eventually build to, I was hoping for maybe a season apart reunion. That would be another incredibly powerful moment of seeing how far they've gone and developed in their own directions, but how much they can still come together from the wonderful time they spent together. I thought that was a great moment. And I didn't expect that we would instead not only not do that, but have it happen in somebody else's show in terms of them reuniting immediately in terms of uh, them coming back together in the book of Boba Fett. I feel that that's a misstep. I feel that that's a missed opportunity. I feel like the show could have itself been stronger rather than just focus on what is admittedly a very successful media cash cow in having that buddy comedy there together at all times. 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Lee and take offense to calling media cash cow of the setup because it's a cash cow because it's good, and so we can just call it good. It's good. No, Not disputing that. Like it is a good pairing. It's a good show. It could have um, been better though. So I, 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 I lost the heights well, that I think the show could achieve. So so I have two things where I agree with Spencer on this, and then I'm actually gonna surprise you both and come back around and defend Lee, who's very politely like not coming to their defense and telling us we're wrong, I'm going to actually end up on his side on this one. But I have two things to say beforehand. One is, back in what Spencer said, there's a missed opportunity because I don't now want them to separate again. I don't want it to be a off-again, on-again, will-they, won't-they, Ross and Rachel. I don't want that. They're back this was their one shot for They need that. to stay back together. This was, right, this was the one natural good time to have some time apart. I like, I'm in the minority here, I like seeing Jedi's train. I think it's interesting. We only get like 30 minutes of it Straight there with, with Luke and Yoda and like 10 minutes of it with Luke and Ray. I read, maybe it's just because, you know, the young Jedi night books were the books I read when I was a kid. I love that. I, I'm interested in it. And we got uh, like one episode of Boba Fett, um, which, you know, more Grogu, less Boba Fett. It was a good move for the season, but um, I wanted more of that. And I think we missed opportunity. And the second part is what, again, Spencer, what Spencer said, they built up. This is what we're aiming for. This is what we're putting our effort into. We have a quest. Our quest is our goal. We're going to get Grogu back to his people. We don't know that it's Luke yet. But we're going to get him there because that's what we need and what's important and what we value, what he values. And they do it, and it doesn't matter at all. Like it, it has a very satisfying feeling that they've achieved something, and then they literally just chuck it away. It's like if when you know, Luke tosses the lightsaber in <laughs> The Last Jedi, yes. Uh, eight, which I loved. Right, which I love. But if at that point, Ray just said, oh, you're not interested. And then she left, and we never talked about Luke again. Like, what? You just, you, you, you just, you just given up on the entire plot points that you've been working on? Like, so it kind of undermines and devalues everything that they had done for the first two seasons, to some extent, that they didn't need to. If in that last season, Luke had showed up and they just said, eh, bye. He, and he doesn't want to go with you, sorry. Then season one, episode episode one of season three would have been the same episode. It wouldn't have changed a single word of it. Or if Luke had, I don't know, seen him and just said, nah, you're too, you're too old. You're too old to begin the training. And he left. That would actually have been pretty hilarious. Him, him <laughs> yeah, telling a 50-year-old man. <laughs> you're actually you're 50 too old. years old. <laughs> I didn't get to say this to Yoda, so I'm going to say it to you, you little prick, and just walks off. So, so that's my agreeing. I, 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 I told you, you know, it's not, it's not spoiling. It's foreshadowing. Foreshadowing that I'm actually changed my mind on this after we spoke. But before oh. I change my mind, Spencer, is there anything you wanted to say more in support of this great theory that you and I have that I've now rejected? Uh, no, I, I, I actually now want to hear this, this, this incredible development. I mean, I, I said, I think that the, I, I think this could have been executed better. Like you, I would have loved to have spent more time with the Jedi and seen that develop and see the growth, growth of Luke's order. I think that would have been great. I feel like that in some ways they had that maybe as a plan, but have kind of changed direction on it for a few reasons. Some perfectly justifiable given where they've written themselves into a quarter in terms of that entire order being wiped out and people pointing that out in the off season. So they may have tried to expedite getting Yoda out of there as fast as possible. And I also just think just from a pure what the fan base has expressed they want standpoint, they probably got a certain measure of pressure that, no, 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 you need to reunite them as fast as possible because that's what people want. I almost feel like Favreau has been doing damage control in that sense in terms of now saying that 
yeah, they were only apart for one episode, but that was two years. Not that that felt necessarily organic in any aspect of what we were watching it at the time. But, Jimmy, please, you've reversed course. I want to hear it. So my wife actually pointed this out, and this is more for practicality than for storyline, but that still matters. What would it have looked like if we showed Grogu training? Because I wouldn't want them to just, we're following the Mandalorian and we don't even see Grogu. The whole point of it would be to see both of them. You at least want to touch base. What would we see from Grogu? Him training with CGI Luke, who is impressive, but still kind of uncanny and a little bit unpleasant. And I think he got a lot of pushback that it was super impressive and cool, but also kind of weird. People like liked it, but if you had multiple episodes of CGI Luke, that would wear thin, I think, really quickly and would be very actually unpleasant. And if you just had the two of them, then you'd have a lot of not talking or a lot of CGI Luke carrying everything. The only alternative I could come up with would be basically him and Asaka. But she's going to get her own TV show, and that would really kind of do her dirty if her whole introduction, not just of what they've done introduction, which has been cool, but exploring her as a person – was as a shoe in in a part side quest on this show when she was going to get her own show that would be able to do that and actually focus on her. So I don't think there's a way to have done Grogu's training that would have been satisfying, honestly, when I thought about it that way, what would it look like and who would be in it? So it, maybe if you set it up that the order was already there and there were other teachers, but the way it was set up, I, I liked how it was set up, but it didn't really allow us to hang out there. Well, okay. we that's all I turn got. To you. Are we? Are we anymore? Do we got any more? That's all I got. We'll, we'll ramp more later. To, so oh yeah, that's what it, I came around to years of for practicality reasons. I in storyline, I'm with Spencer, but for practicality, I'm with uh, Lee. If you listen to Mangum Talks podcast, you'll know that Spencer and I are both fans of the television show West Wing. Mm-hmm. You'll also know that I really liked the last season of West Wing, which was a. Um, election between Vinick and Santos. And I would have voted for Vinick. I'm just going to let you know. I'm a Democrat, but I would have voted for Vinick. This is one Republican I would have voted for. Alan Alder for the win. Um, he employs the drop-dead strategy at one point during that season. That's what I just employed here. That's what I wanted to do. I'm not going to be able to say anything to convince people who think that the storyline building to the end of season two and reuniting him and getting rid of the Luke training. So if, if you don't like that, there's nothing I can do. So the only thing I can do is just let you guys talk it out, share what you think, because it is what it is at this point. We've reset the show. We're basically back to step one, which is Grogu and Mando palling around the universe. I could tell you why I didn't mind it, but I actually think like nobody really cares because I think that like the, it, it's already been sort of set up on this podcast that like I just like everything Star Wars. So I guess I, I guess it doesn't really matter what? if I liked it or not. But I think that what we've done is we've reset. We're back to step one. We have Grogu and Mando, and that's where we jump into at Chapter 17, The Apostate. So are we ready to start the recap of Chapter 17, The Apostate? Damn straight. I am All ready. right. So the recap includes IG-11, which as soon as they had IG-11, it's IG-11, right, Spencer? That's it is IG-11. Okay. As soon, as soon as they had that, I was like, well, how the hell are we getting IG-11? Yeah, <laughs> this right. doesn't make any sense. But they wouldn't put it in the well. recap. It wouldn't put it in the recap unless we get it. So what? It was very confusing. And then, of course, I got my explanation. But um, He's died twice now. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, We're reaching kind of comic strange. book levels of return here. The episode begins. Are, are, are you complaining, Spencer? 
I'm going to complain a little bit about IG-11 coming back, actually, when we get there. So we start with hearing... your mouth, sir. No, never. <laughs> hammering, and we hear the armorer's music, and then it looks like... And one thing the show is really good about, which, you know, some people might think is, like, super basic or whatever, is, like, if you have a... Th- it's like wrestling. If you have a theme music... You get your theme music every time you come on screen. Yes. <laughs> you get your little motif at all times. Yeah, and the armor gets yep. hers, and then later on we get Mando's, right? Um, Face recorder. She's doing some work, and and then we see she's adding some sort of electrical piece to a helmet that she's working on. It's a light blue helmet. Looks she, great. It's a, it a pretty slick-looking helmet. Uh, and then she walks out of some cave, and there are other Mandalorians around, and she walks up to a child who's in the water standing waist deep. Armor walks up to him, holds the helmet above her head, and then she has him start some sort of creed, some sort of promise. Now, as established on this podcast, everybody thinks I just love everything Star Wars and I'm never going to be critical. Let me be critical really quick, Mm. because in the episodes in the middle of Boba Fett, where we got Mando, Mando met up with the armor and it was firmly established that there were three people left in that creed. It was the armor. Mando, who now isn't even in the creed because he removed his helmet, and then whatever that big bulky guy that Mando that Mando kicked his ass. Yeah, that was it. Now all of a sudden we got twenty of these fucking people. Oh. Like where they come from? It's it's Favreau. It's been another four years since the last time we saw them. Who knows? So I would have bet money at this point that this was a flashback. Yes, I, I thought yeah. I would have preferred if it was a flashback, honestly, for several reasons, but. Like you, Lee, I was like, well, there's lots of Mandalorians here. That probably is young Mando right there. Like, okay, I, this makes sense. And they didn't go that way at all. Yeah, Jamie, what did you think It was interesting. Um, well, it was interesting because, yes, I thought it was a flashback also. Uh, I assumed this was young Mando. And I was really so that they got interrupted right before he would have promised to never take the mask off. Because I really thought he was going to come back and say, look, I've got the technicality. I, I get to interpret law and I never actually swore that. So up yours. But no, they didn't go that way. Uh, I actually um, I actually like this. I'll let you keep going. with, But but I, I like that it wasn't a flashback. I thought it was. And then it was a twist for me. I didn't realize. That but where the hell did these people come from? I mean, I guess maybe so, she's continuing right, to no, doc. So, so it ties in two this is like a double negative where things I didn't like actually canceled each other out until I loved it. <laughs> I, I tried to figure out where all these people came from. And I also tried to figure out why are they so bad at being warriors and just so st- tactically stupid. This thing comes out of the water. If they all just turned around and started walking away, Into they the all would have been yep. fine. Maybe, maybe one person would have gotten eaten. But that happened already. Then they decide, let's attack it. Let's go further into the water. Let's grab it with our hooks. No, I didn't know that alligators could do a death roll. Let's all grab hold of it and let it death roll all of us at once. Let's put our armor explosion charges right on its turtle shell, where it will be utterly useless. They were so stupid. I'm waiting for you to turn on this, Jim. You've you've gone pretty hard for negative. They're all noobs, and they're terrible they're recruits, the basically. These, these are all new recruits. This is how they show that they went from two to 20 in a two-year period, and they're all really bad at their jobs. There's only two of them who know what they're doing, and they're trying to wrangle 30 cats who just think they look cool and don't know how to do anything. They're trained with their weapons so they can use them, so all they know to do is use my weapon on the thing. I've got a grappling hook. I'll grab it. I've got a flamethrower. I'll flamethrower the turtle. Because they're all stupid. And it, it, it very – over the course of two minutes of me being confused, light bulb went off. And I was like, 
this is showing us how quickly and poorly they're ramping up, but they're trying. I, I think that could be an in-universe explanation. The only other one I had was that effectively she's been kind of drawing wayward Mandalorians that roaming the galaxy together for a common cause, and they're in some ways finding faith in religion, just in the absence of anything else, do you kind of link them as a people? Yep. Um, but for me, I honestly would have preferred if the scene had basically ended, if that is young Mando, if he had basically gone through the ritual and completes the ritual, because it thinks like it would, be, it would work better with the overall themes they seem to be setting up the season of him returning to his people, returning to Mandalore, trying to find a new place for himself in the culture. And so if we opened the season with the moment of him joining the culture in that manner, that felt like that would have been more keeping with kind of the direction that they're going for for the overall arc. It, it would have been interesting and good. I think this, this was also interesting and good. I think either one was an okay set. I thought they were trying to set it up. You know, why were they all failing? I thought it was really just to try to set up that the uh, blacksmith was just that cool, that she was going to come in and just, like, stab it once and it would fall over. But nope, no, she nope. was... Ma- Mando like, was souped-up fighter. Yes. Yeah, um, so... But, I, but, go ahead, just Jamie. Just you were saying, though, about the music, uh, it was one of the fastest reorientations in my brain of <laughs> what was happening and that it wasn't a flashback when the music played. Because I realized it's not that that kid's going to turn badass right now, it's... Oh, oh, okay, Mando is showing up. Okay, no, we're in the present day. Okay. And before it even came, it took about half a second for that music to turn my entire brain and lock me into what was happening. Well, Lee, Lee, did you turn more positive on the scene over time? Because you started at least a little bit negative with it. Uh, No, it doesn't make any sense multiple ways. One, it doesn't make I was very convincing, though. Well, I mean, I I, I suppose I kind of wish, Spencer, that, like, that is, I guess that's an in-world explanation. But if it is, it's not one that's fleshed out enough that we should have known it. I mean, it's just like now we just have a handful of Mandalorians. And you just have to like sort of mad libs and mad lib an answer of how they got there. I also don't like which what you pointed out, Jamie, why they didn't just turn around and run back in the cave. That didn't make any sense to me either. So it's a, it's, the, it's a sea they could walk. It would have been walking. Would have been I guess I guess what the scene did for me, though, is it reoriented me to the show, which is, you know, we've been watching Spencer and I've been reviewing The Last of Us over on the podcast feed. The Mangum Talks The Last of Us. That show is I think for a zombie apocalypse, uber realistic. And mm-hmm. this show is not particularly realistic. It's just fantasy. It's just fun. And I had to just kind of back off a little bit from the like, why didn't they just run back in the cave thing? Cause, yeah. cause I realized I'm not going to enjoy the show if I, I look at it through that tight of a lens. Yeah. For, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a reasonable stance to take with respect to it. That this was a scene of where it was setting up, you know, the themes of the Mandalorian people were turning us to the concept of the, can we call it a cult? Is it basically yeah, a, cult? a cult? Yes, it's a cult. Yes. Okay. I'm with bo a thousand percent here. It's a cult. They said so on the show. They said it was a cult. Well, okay. bo did, but I mean, it, Mando wouldn't think it's a cult. So is there a hero? Yeah, people, people in cults she, tend to not think it's a cult. <laughs> I feel like I think I feel like Bo is our reliable narrator here for everything except for why she doesn't just take the dark saber. For everything except for that, I feel Honor, like she's the reliable narrator telling code. us. Let's let, let's continue. Yeah, so uh, saying, Mando, Mando comes he's in. He's not with, Mandalore anymore. He, now she can kill him for the sword because now he's not Mandalore anymore, right? Man, Mando flies in. Doo, 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 doo. We see uh, he, he hits big, big charger bolts into this crocodile, kills proper, it. Proper torpedo. It lands, and then we see Grogu pop his head up uh, on the little flight deck, the little droid pod, which I, for me was really cool. I love the character Grogu, so I was excited to see him. Back in the fold, Mando does walks into the cave to talk to the armor. She's 
harping on him removing his helmet. She tells him he's no longer Mandalorian. Grogu doesn't seem to like that. I don't know if you guys caught that. When she said, you're no longer Mandalorian, Grogu went, like, he kind of, like, got a little pissed off about it. I also enjoyed that she did a little caveat there, too, as well, is that she said, you've removed your helmet. And even worse, it was, you took it off voluntarily. Almost like she would have been willing to give him an out if it had, like, fallen off in combat or something. And it would make sense that if Grogu is now starting to pick up language, which I think he is because he was listening to Luke and responding, that he would not like that she is chastising him for removing his helmet because he removed his helmet to look at Grogu, right? And, like, the thing that I – the the argument I would make for the show, season two to season three, and uh, on the the mess that happened in between with Boba Fett, is that for – you may not like it. If you don't like it, great. But they have given Grogu more agency over time. I think they're trying to not make him plush toy. I think they're trying to make him character that makes decisions, that has opinions. Like he made the decision to leave Luke and go with Mando. Now you could have said that you, you wish that decision was made later. I, there's all kinds of criticisms you can make, but he did make a decision, right? And I like that Grogu is more of a character that has agency, that has opinions. The more they do of that, I'm going to be fucking lit. I love that. I, I don't like the Gro- – I, I just don't like the strong. I less I less like the Grogu that is just cute force wielder, and I more like the character that is Grogu. I am kind of a child, but I'm trying to learn, and I have opinions. Strong agree. This needs to be a pair. This need If, it, if it's going to be a buddy comedy, buddy travel together, they have to be standing characters in their own right. He can't just be, you know, the attractive pet prop. That, that and, will not and, function, and it's most – he doesn't do much this episode, which I found a little bit troublesome, but it's the first episode, so it's hard to say whether that's going to be more of a direction they go in of where he's just around and cute, doing cute things. I love that you said that too, um, and one thing that I think we talked about, and, and this is this is purely headcanon, but until it's disproven in the show, I'm choosing to believe it because I like it better, was that Luke – kind of set it up for Grogu to go back to Mandalore, Mandalorian, that, yeah, it wasn't honest choice, but come on, nobody who with any brains would possibly have thought that Grogu would have taken the sword for the guy that I don't really know for the stuff I don't not really enjoying instead of the father figure who gave me things of love to protect me. Like it was obvious what he was going to choose. I think that Luke set that up because he knew, wait, the whole not letting people choose and just taking them away to be with a Jedi and abandoning family and love, that's what was bad. I should not have that. And it'll be better if it's Grogu's own choice to do it instead of me telling him, hey, you're not welcome here, go. And I'm choosing some point to in the future. set him up for that. Yeah, until that's, that's my headcanon. And anyway, the idea that even in character, they know it's better when Grogu makes his own decisions, I like that. I, I'm choosing to believe that until proven otherwise. So I got two lawyers on the call here. The the contract that is written that makes perfect sense, ironclad, absolutely no outs, is that if Mando bathes in the waters of the mines beneath Mandalore, he's forgiven. The that's living the, waters. That living waters. Water, the, that's, the contract, the waters. that's the contract. That's the contract. We will we will hear no we will hear no complaints. Uh, yeah. We just focused on the key detail there. The living waters thing seems like that can go wrong because that's an undefined term on a planet that everyone says is very, very dead. But I, I, this yes, is the right. law that is written. This is the way. This is the way. Uh, so, and I will okay. see you again, Cenas. Go ahead, Jamie. I was going to say, I've, I've only ever heard it as a joke, 
and I've said it as a joke, but give it a moment seriousness. Why can't he just change the rules since he is the Mandalore right now with the sword in hand? Why can't he just say, uh, no, you're not Mandalore? Sword. I actually have an answer to that. Great. Which, actually, I want a real answer, too, yeah, not just the, be joking about it. Right. The real, the real answer is that the ruler of Mandalore is not necessarily the ruler of this particular sect of Mandalorians. Like, Bo-Katan made that perfectly clear, that the people that Mando was born into – that he follows is a particular sect of hyper-religious Mandalorians that lived on Mandalore. Bo-Katan never liked them. Her people never liked them. They don't agree with them, et cetera, et cetera. What Mando ostensibly is by having the Darksaber, although it's all kind of bush at this point, is the ruler of the planet Mandalore. A dead glassed world. Right. Not that, that him having the, Darksaber does not, ipso facto, make him the ruler of this particular cult. It just makes him the, the, the head of this planet from a sort of governance structure. It's, it's like the difference so, between, like, the president and the pope, basically. Well, so I was going to say, would, would that be like that the king of England might count as, like, the head of the Anglican church? But if you're those, like, came over on the Mayflower because you wanted to start your own cult that was sort of like England, but not really, you can say, yeah, you're the king of England. That's great. But um, you go away. Is that a good analogy? Yeah, the the cult is definitely the Puritans. It's, it's one of the things of where th- this definitely seems like a group. They already left Mandalore before even the, the siege and fall of Mandalore. We want to be more bigoted, and they won't let us. Urgh, the, sorry. That, that that is the exact scenario. Yes, I, I don't see that they would even respect these kind of tokens and emblems. They left those behind. They effectively rebelled against those anyway. So they're not going to follow the the icon of the Mandalore. They they're doing their own thing anyway. They're the true Mandalorians. Are, are you sure? Because the whole thing about the helmet and the signet are kind of big deals for them. They seem to love all the trappings. And they've yet to mention the sword even once. Yeah, I don't think the sword means anything to the armorer. It doesn't seem to. I think it means something to Bo-Katan because it's the, it's the symbol of the governor, the president yeah. of the planet Mandalore. We, we saw her see it in the two episodes of A Book of, a book, a book of Boba Fett. And she was just kind of like, Cool sword, dude. Yeah, it's an emblem of our people. You're gonna have to learn how to use it. I also she, think that, she didn't treat it as the sword and the stone. Yeah, and she she clearly thinks that this concept that the the person who has the dark saber rules Mandalore is kind of stupid. Like, I mean, she she makes reference to that in this episode. Well, Point of order. Gr- Grumble, dude. Thinks, yeah, uh, yeah, big big chungus. He seems to think it was an important sword, though. I think I think Mando I think Mando thinks it's kind of stupid too. Uh, but then we get the the best scene of the episode I think, which is the really cool hyperspace scene that during it oh. Grogu uh, Mando is sleeping and Grogu is watching from the pod, and we see what are called pergils. These are um, whales, space whales, that, space whales that can actually go into hyperspace. And I believe in Legends canon. I'm not sure. That, I don't know if they've established this in the it, current Star- canon. Apparently it's in Star Wars Rebels, which I've not seen, but apparently they appear in that. Yeah, they're in they're in Star Wars Rebels, and I believe they were kind of teased a little bit in Obi Wan Kenobi too. But like the um they uh, in in Legends canon, um they were established as the basis for hyperspace technology. So the people who millennia ago created hyperspace technology did so through watching the Pergils and like replicating what the Pergils can do, etc. I think it's kind of interesting that the Pergils were that close to Mando's like ship because 
one of the things I think it was referenced in Rebels and also has been referenced in Legends canon is that pergils can be kind of a problem for for ships that are going in hyperspace because they can smash into them. Uh, they were super close, and it seemed like there was like a connection with Baby Yoda and the pergils a little bit. Mm-hmm. That whole thing is fascinating to me because I didn't know the pergils had anything anything force related in them. So that 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 that's all like new frontier, I think. Spencer, go ahead. I will agree with Lee 100%. This is my absolute favorite moment of the episode. This was that kind of just sense of just greater magic in the universe kind of moment of where we got to see just a little glimpse of just how big and how con- mysterious and how much there is still to unlock and explore in the great universe. And that's the things I love about Star Wars. This was so I'm gonna make a I ju- love that the dialogue, too. I love it was just a moment for Baby Yoda, him having that name experience, him kind of nestling with of Mando upon seeing something he didn't understand. It was a wonderful bit of a little character in that regard, but also just a wonderful further understanding that there is just such mystery out there in the universe to still explore and find out. So my headcanon that's not serious, but I'm going to enjoy it for the time being, you know what sexual dimorphism is, where like the men and women of a species are really, really different. And you know how yes. we don't know what species Yoda is? My new theory, all the men look like Yoda and all the women are whales. The women, the women look like Yaddle. Uh, that's dope. Yeah, nope. Yaddle, no, Yaddle was. I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. But the idea, the idea that maybe there's a connection between the Yoda species and the whales, I could buy that. The idea that they're the same species, I can have fun with that. I, See, it I seems like know. that was like force related to me. Probably. I, I think in actual text it was, and we could explore Jimmy's fascination with flippers at another time. <laughs> <laughs> so then we. Uh, Get Mando arriving at a planet. We learn it's Navarro. Independent trade anchor is how they are marketing themselves. I would wonder how the New Republic would think about them calling themselves independent trade anchor. And I will give a little bit of credit here. This is something I would have liked to have seen more in those two episodes of Boba Fett. (laughs) This is a clear indication that there's been a passage of time. This is a clear indication that Navarro has gone, you know, leagues and miles farther than when we last saw them of where this is a fully developed planet. It has buildings. It has infrastructure. It has a high, uh, what, what, what is the term? High magistrate? High magistrate. High magistrate cargo. Uh, not just regular magistrate, a high magistrate. This is an established civilization now, whereas they previously. Have weed. I mean. Uh, they've got all of the little luxuries of modern society, yes. That was a joke about him being high. It was, it was oh, God. But that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, th- th- this was a well done way of saying that it has been up. It's an impressive amount of time since last he was here. So, yeah, kudos for this. You got the time. You got the in-show time frame well done here. I I do think that the whole, hey, they're cults grown also did that. But you're right. This did it much more um, in a way. Because they explain that, it. Yeah, yeah, it resonates easily. And they didn't have to say it. They did kind of say it. But they said it in ways that were really natural because they were showing it in ways that just – you could easily grok and just get without having to think about it too hard even. It was just good. Mando and Grogu walk through the streets of Navarro. Navarro looking good. Lots going on. Mando mentions to Grogu that a lot has changed. They see a statue. What I thought it was a statue for IG-11. Apparently, it's it's half statue. Apparently, it's like half the real droid. It's his corpse. Um, None of we, we hang corpses it, in the middle of town now for our heroes. It's, it's kind of a cop. Well, taxidermy. Mando asks Grogu if he remembers his old friend. Then High Magistrate Karga comes up and greets him. He seems like he's in good spirits. Mando mentions it doesn't even look like the same place. Then we see them in an office. Grogu is on a swivelly chair, having a good time with a swivelly chair. I like to see that. <laughs> I like to see him having a good time. 
Karga mentions that the Belters, the Spencer, the the Belters, Spencer, yes, the Belters. Oh wait, wait, hey, what I the hell? Like six of the Expanse right now, and I'm working happening? my way through the end of it. So no, no spoilers, spoilers man. Don't no worry, spoilers. but yeah, I, am, I. So I have a theory. Yeah, that her I, I think at this, I think at this point, I think at this point it has to be pretty much just uh, just canon, which is that somebody who makes the Mandalorian likes wrestling. Because they brought in Sasha Banks. They've done wrestling moves on the show. They do the wrestling theme music. It's just like somebody likes wrestling who does the show. Here's my second theory about this, about the creation of this show. Somebody's a fan of the fucking Expanse. Like they threw that in just so we would be sitting here going, whoa, hold on. Belters. I just heard that. Belters, are they long and stretched too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If we're going to watch The Expanse, we say, hey, do you want to watch sad people in space? And and Mandalorians like, you know, hopeful people in space. (laughs) They balance each other out. Karga mentions that the Belters are mining out the system. Karga's offering Mando a home, some land for him and Grogu. He mentions, I'm confused. Speaking for the entire fan base here, and Spencer's particularly, I'm confused. I thought you completed your mission, but you're still running around here with the same little critter. So here's the thing. Poor poor Spencer, before you go. Yeah, I would just like a drop dead in universe rule. Stop calling him a critter. <laughs> He's more powerful than you. He's he probably smarter than you. Like he just because he can't talk your language quite yet. Like he's not a dog. Like let's does stop ha- calling. Does the high magistrate know that though? Because I accept that every single person who sees him thinks he's a Jawa but weaker. Two, like, does, does, does the high chancellor know that, how strong he is? I don't remember that. Two things. One, yes, because he remembers that the little bit, the, the, the little critter healed him when he got uh, like infected by that poisonous flying yes. creature thing of a. He does remember that. Yep. Okay. So he also knows that so the he, ma- he should know. Okay. He, he also he also at one point he also knows that Baby Yoda has force powers even beyond healing. See, at one point I think it's like end of season one says, "Can we get the baby to do the hand thingy?" He, he, so he has a he has an understanding that this is a weird this is a wizard creature here to some degree. He just can't get over the fact that it looks like a cute little pet that you'd keep on your shoulder like a pirate's parrot. It's, it's, it's your little wizard's familiar. So that it's was one. Magic, what, magic happens. You just shoot it through the little guy. What's two, Spencer? Uh, my second thing is I enjoy that I'm amused that this conversation is as close as this episode gets to explaining to people who didn't watch Boba Fett how the hell Baby Yoda is back with Mando. I do agree. Otherwise, I, the episode I, gives no effort whatsoever to explain it. Yeah, I, I do. That's a good point. I like how Star Wars has done it with the TV shows where they all build on each other, but you don't have to watch all of them to enjoy it in a way that Marvel kind of hasn't. I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched a single Marvel movie since Spider-Man Far From Home because I don't have Peacock Plus 12 or something, so I can't stream it, and I haven't figured out how to watch it yet. So I have a, I'm like five years behind in Marvel because they're so interconnected. They kind of did that here, where if you didn't watch Boba Fett, you're going to be kind of confused. They didn't do it enough. This is not enough. This is a lampshade on a problem. Pretend just to say, I see this, and I'm not going to fix it. it, it I, I will admit, that, that did remind me a little bit of Marvel, where they kind of expect you to watch the full lexicon to get it. This is an attempt at bridging over, but it ain't much. It, it so, acknowledges that they did a bad job, which I guess is better than pretending they did a good job, but eh, whatever. Mendo explains he is now an apostate. 
Um, he is not. He removed good his helmet. Work. Good, good work. He removed his helmet. He is not. He's he's sort of an outcast here. But Karga explains that in Navarro he'd be landed gentry. They get interrupted by a droid telling them pirates have arrived outside the port. Pirates, I'm going to call them super prickly. They're prickly. Literally They're prickly. Spoiling, spoiling for a fight. Well, uh, Lee, i got to ask you, with you loving wrestling, how do you feel about the wrestling attire of Grief Karga with those two droids permanently like rolling around behind him carrying his cape? I, I was worried we weren't going to talk about the two little droids carrying his cape because I love the two little droids carrying his cape. That, that, so, that's swagger. So... And then I'm going to, so I'm glad you did the wrestling thing. In the 1992 Royal Rumble, mm. uh, Ric Flair made his debut in WWF at the time. It's now WWE. He was with World Championship Wrestling before then, working all the different territories. He comes out in the Royal Rumble, number three. He comes out as the third person in the Royal Rumble, and he is, woo, the nature boy, you know, silent profile and limousine ride and jet flying, that whole thing. He's got two people behind him carrying his fucking cape behind him as he's walking. <laughs> Ric Flair goes on to win the Rumble and he get, get the WCW WWF Championship, which is a monumental moment in all of wrestling. But his entrance to that Royal Rumble looks exactly the same. It's funny that you made that connection. Did it immediately just bring it to mind when you saw it then with those little droids rolling behind him? Yeah, I expected Carga to come out and be like, <laughs> with a tear in my eye. Hey, Apollo, this is Apollo Ooh. Creed we're seeing here. It's in character that he had those little guys following behind him. He really does think highly of himself as the high magistrate. And I'll tell you this, still got it with a blaster. Oh, yeah. Still got oh, it. Yeah. I, I I did enjoy, I mean, not to get ahead of us, everything everything with the pirates I loved. I loved what he did. I loved what the pirates did. I loved what Mando did. I loved everything about the scene so much. Yeah, so basically the, the pirates are just pushing that they want to go drink in this building they're not taking no for an answer. I think they just want to fight. The building is now a school. Karga's trying to explain to them it's a school. The head pirate, which I am not sure of the race of the head pirate. Does anyone know what that is? I'm wait, isn't that the to... guy from – wait, isn't the same as from um, from the Clone Wars, the Clone War pirate guy? Yeah, I'm trying, to, fr- re- trying to remember what the race is. Oh, pirate. I'm going to pull it up. Pirate. Yeah. yeah. So Karga tells him that Navarro is no longer friendly to pirates. Um, this is after Karga tells him, try me. He does, and Karga shoots his hand before he can get his blaster up. No longer friend, Navarro no, no longer friendly to pirates, tells him to get out of there. His buddies start so, to fight. Mango kills four of them rather quickly. Mando asks him if he's sure he wants to let the head pirate go, and Karga kind of stupidly says he'll let, he'll let him know Navarro is respectable now and not to be trifled with. Yeah, you know what else gets the word around about that? If you kill all the pirates who tried to threaten your life. Yeah, Killing all of them, we get that message out there too. Uh, and I, I don't think they were trying to fight. I think they were trying to do a really weird shakedown of the idea of we want we stood here and we want that now. And if we can drinks here in your in the middle of the street, and you, the High Chancellor, deliver them to us, we will have an understanding that the pirates are actually in control. So do that now, or we'll just shoot it out now. I think is what they're doing. They're trying to shake down and bully. Two, two things. One, Nikto is the species, which we've seen and heard heard from before. Uh, and two, I, I agree with you. I, I also throw in the element that almost in some ways, the fact that this has become a developed, improving, civilized community with you know proper suburbs and all that, it's knocking them out of business. This was this was the bar where they conducted their trade. This was the previous you know mercenary den of a world. Now that it's now that it's becoming properly civilized with industry and you know commerce and you know, proper service industry going on, there's not as much of a world for them to operate in and conduct their illicit trade. So 
the improvement of the of the stakes of this world have forced them effectively out of business. I still think they would just spoil them for a fight, though, because Karga says, sure. come back with me. We'll have drinks. If they were really interested in getting business from Karga, they would have at least gone back and talked to him and tried to negotiate business. Jamie, your point that they're just trying to do like a shakedown and bully, they're not really looking for a fight. That's potato potato for me. There's, that, there's no not much of a difference there yeah, because it's, it's, they're, it's they're not. Right. Yeah, they're just looking to cause problems. Right. Karga then offers Mando a job as sheriff. Karga mentions that Cara Dune. Um, got in trouble for tweeting some things that were rather <laughs> offensive that really pissed off the company that Cargo works for. Um, then they talk about uh, bringing Kid, Moff Gideon. They talk about they talk about what happened to Moff Gideon, and he mentions Moff Gideon was sent to a New Republic tribunal. I'm mm. gonna I'm gonna guess we'll hear from Moff Gideon again. That's just I'm, I'm, yeah, just I hope guess. so. We, we're assuming he's, that he's a great character. We're assuming that Thrawn's going to show up at some point in some form of crossover. Thrawn's going to break him out of jail was my bet. 100%. Yeah, we're we're absolutely going to get – I think we're going to get him this season. That guy's way too good. Best owner of the best chicken shop in all of southern New Mexico. We all mm-hmm. know that. If you need you need to get your blue drugs, he's the guy for it. So then Mando walks uh, him to the IG-11 statue. He says he needs IG-11. Cargo tries to talk him out of it because it's stupid. It, um, it is in a lot of ways. It is. And Mando, really is. but I do think that like where we've gotten to with Mando is an indication of him and his really loose understanding of droids, right? Because he starts <laughs> because he starts with this whole thing of like all droids are my enemy. Mm-hmm. I can't trust any of them. They all suck. <laughs> Now I can trust one. And then the I have spoken guy teaches him over time. Like you can trust droids if you've programmed them correctly, et cetera. That guy has a real understanding of droids. Now Mando just thinks that any droid that was ever nice to him will forever in perpetuity be his best friend, which also doesn't make any sense, which, which the Anzellans explain to him later when he's like, is my friend and Anzellans are like, "Hmm, not anymore. Like, you know, they're just like, that's kind of a dumb thing. So Mando's just really, really. Uh, waffling and that. confused about droids. I'm with it. That, that is such a great explanation yeah. for what is otherwise nonsensical. I, I buy it too. I was really frustrated by it. I thought it sounded really dumb. Um, and I had to like hand wave things myself just to have it not be stupid. And I like that it's actually just, no, he's just sentimental. Well, I thought he was sentimental. And I thought that's lame and kind of out of character to go to this extreme for something like that. He's just dumb. He's sentimental and ignorant. He just doesn't understand droids at all. Like, he's he's struggled with them. Quick question, though. The memory core is gone, and they need to get a new memory core. That will reset his memory. He's dead. IG-11 is dead. It doesn't make any sense. The Yenzelans are trying to explain it to him. That'll be a new 11. In the with the the hands of the old I, one attached. I I love the Anzellans explain that to him. He doesn't get it, and they just kind of turn to him like, like, fuck it, we're not going to explain it anymore. We'll take your money. Yeah, because that's exactly what yeah, happens. Sure, Mando, get us a new brain, and we'll build you one. We also have one moment I want to point out, which is that Mando hooks him up to power. I was about to be a, pretty frustrated with the show if Mando, yeah, who is not a mechanic and not a droid expert, was able to quickly fix IG-11. I was going to be pretty pissed off by that. He was not. All he did is hook him up to a power source, IG-11 reset, looked at Grogu as the bounty, and attacked. And one cool thing that happened here is that Mando, who very expertly shot four different pirates in the street with not breaking a sweat, mm-hmm. struggles to shoot a droid three feet oh, away well, from like- him. 
And I think that there is a great in-world explanation for this, and that is that any time Grogu is physically threatened in his presence, he has an emotional response, and he has a panic, and he was just sort of panicked in that moment. I think that's why he was struggling struggling so much to hit the shot. And it's also it's also in-universe out of character for him because Karga's screaming at him like, Mando, what are you doing? Just shoot the damn thing. What's wrong with you? Like, So other characters are offering that it's – abnormal for Mando to be missing like this. One thing I liked, a couple things I didn't like, just to get him out of the way. One thing I did like, this is the first, as far as I know, uh, protocol droid kill we've seen in Star Wars. Kudos <laughs> to the guy. They've been needing one kill for a while. So Can we, can we, can we, can we, can we could have done without the that's using your headline. Really could have done without. Yeah, that, that was rough. Didn't need that. All right, go ahead, Spencer. Uh, this is, I mentioned earlier I'm not I actually not that fond of IG-11 coming back, and I just wanted to explain the two reasons why. Please do. Uh, one we, reason... We, that requires an explanation. Okay, one reason is in text. In text, he blew himself up with his own self-destruct, which was specifically designed so they could not be rebuilt, repurposed, or have any useful information drawn out of them. So there shouldn't be anything left, particularly when the thing is situated up here, the one part where he's intact. So just in text, they shouldn't be able to do this from what we already know. Point number two, I think it diminishes what otherwise was a great sacrifice of the character. That he had a, a, he had a powerful exit, he had a powerful return of when he died previously and came back, picked his own path, went with it, and then exited on his own terms to protect and save everybody else. A quality character exit is not easy to achieve, and I feel like they're diluting it and diminishing it by just having them rebuild the characters, one of the arcs of this season. Damn it, you convinced me. And I love it, and I want him back. But I don't like things ending. I'm a very, like, you know, I'm one of the sad Doctor Whos, where I don't like things that are over. Mm. You're, well, you're I right. don't... Like, you're, so, you're not wrong. And any, I do agree with everything you just said. So now I have to, like, soul search. Thanks so I agree with everything Spencer said, too. Jerk. And I anticipate... <laughs> But I anticipate he's not going to be able to do this. Like that's that's my guess. And if they do that, I will I will approve. If this is a fool's errand, good call. With you with you there. If he actually rebuilds IG Eleven and the and the IG Eleven that that we that new Bando like, pops up and is like, hey hey, I'm glad to be. I, I will not like that at all. But if he it, what my theory here is that Mando just simply doesn't understand droids. He doesn't understand how this works. And with a language difficulty with him and the Anzellans, the Anzellans are not capable of getting it through his head that this is a fool's errand. And so he's out doing something that ultimately he's not going to be able to accomplish. I hope that's what it is. That, that, that was it, what, it, I hope it boots up and it's like the guy was just in the beginning and he doesn't have a death thing out for Grogu. He's just like, I am a bounty droid, and I am ready what, for my next task. What, what is my I purpose? Do default blank slate. Yeah, what is my purpose? And he like tells him, you're my friend. He's like, you say so. All right. And he, he can be a little sidekick, but it's a new one. Like, he almost needs a new name at that point because it's just a new person. Yep. And I hope the audience is, like, told this enough that everyone can get it, even if Mando's sitting around thinking it's his old friend. It's like, no, no, it's not. It's just a new guy. Which, if they do that, I would – 
I still think it fits with I what Spencer too. and I were saying, which is that Mando is not, quote, succeeding for what he's trying to accomplish, and it all kind of starts to and, make sense. And if we want to be philosophical, if they do go that route, I think that could be interesting in terms of what we assume are the overall other arcs of the season, about what degree you can go back and what degree things can be the same. Because that's the, that's the part of the season of going back to Mandalore, restoring things the way they were. If they in some ways tie that into the joy about some things that are destroyed are lost, you have to find a new way to go forward – I will be really into that if that's where they're going. If this, if if Disney actually talks about the ship of Theseus twice in TV shows this decade, oh gosh, we're just gonna can we can we do a podcast about the Good Place? I'd love to. I'd love, I'd love it so much. So Mando takes IG the parts of IG Eleven he has to the Anzellans. Karga takes him to the Anzellans. Now the Anzellans we saw in the, the <clears throat> sequel series. We saw an Anzellan mm-hmm. in the sequel series. He was also a good mechanic. Well, it seems like the same person too. Apparently, it seems like the race. Uh, you can well, tiny fingers, tiny eyeballs. They'd be good at stuff like that. If exactly. Right. I mean, you, so my, my, I was trying to explain this to my wife who was like kind of confused, like, well, why are all these particular, why is all this particular race engineers or whatever? And I was like, well, think of like the Jawas, right? The Jawas, same kind of idea where they have small little hands. They are, they have a culture of being, you know, good with machinery mm-hmm. and mechanics. Same kind of idea. I would like to say this about the Enzones. They are an example of what I really like that Star Wars can do with other races. And that is where they are funny, they are memorable, they're cute, but they serve a purpose and they're interesting. And they're somewhat consistent, at least in this point. And that's one thing I've really liked about Grogu is that Grogu is cute, yes, but Grogu is also a being that has agency, mm-hmm. that has backstory, that has history. It's not just it's a, a fucking, it's not just a fucking sock puppet. Like it's a real character. And the Enzelans increasingly are that for me. So I think they're succeeding with this race, at least for me so far. I, I, I agree. When I saw the first one a while back, whenever that was, I kind of shrugged and didn't really like it. It seemed like it served kind of no purpose. I like them more now. Some people have complained that it's too Muppety in this episode, using them as an example, but I actually liked it. Like, I'm acknowledging that take, but I didn't share it at all. I like them. I like more literal Muppets and less CG. I mm-hmm. thought that they were interesting little people. I already, I had the exact same thought. Why are they mechanics? Oh, because they're tiny. Their hands are tiny. Their eyes are tiny. Like, they can get inside the things, and they can grab wires literally smaller than human hands could grab. It makes perfect sense. You know, you yeah, wouldn't I, have an ogre. You know, yeah, you can have an ogre be a blacksmith or a, a scholar, but having them work with filaments that are smaller than a human hair, they, their hands are just too big. You just couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I'm straight with you. And just from a practical standpoint, I find the Muppets kind of endearing. I kind of yeah. want to see more Muppets in Star Wars, honestly. It, 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 I, it, I, I, hmm? I would hug one. I would hug one. Uh, is it the, is it the most? I would ask for consent first. It's important. Is it the most like popular and nostalgic moment in all of Star Wars? Most Eisley Cantina, which is like a room full of puppets. Yeah. Like we like puppets in Star Wars. What we didn't like in the in the sequ- in the prequel movies is that they were all CG and that none of them yeah. were Muppets. I matter of fact, I, the moment where uh, Grogu hugs the Anzellan and it backs off and goes, "Bad baby, bad baby." People can say that's too Disney if you want. It I made me it. laugh. I loved it. Yeah. I thought I, it was awesome. I loved it. 
I was deeply afraid that Grogu was going to try to eat that guy like a turtle, what, like the frogs that Grogu was after, or the, fro- or the, the frog. Lady I hate the frog. He'd eaten some M and M's earlier in Carga's. It was okay. Office. I, I, I love also. It was it was wonderful. I, I thought those were M and M's too. I love that they were all the same color because it reminded me of like those rock bands that have only one color M and M's put in their bowl. I thought it was Crockett just flexing that he can you, demand only one color M and M's. You're a lawyer, time. you know that they do that not to flex, but to see I, if people I, read the contracts. There was a very valid reason by which those are in contracts was to ensure that there's safety brought on the stage. However, Karga is totally not doing that shit. The nope. man's just flexing. I don't want the brown ones. Carter's role in the scene too, I thought was funny too, where he is just unnecessarily translating it every time. It's like it all. They're, so, so they're I, speaking I to pretty clear stuff. English, actually. I'm glad to hear you say that because so I watch most shows with subtitles on, and mm-hmm. so you know when you're reading it, it's easy to understand what they're saying, and it sounded clear to me. But I wondered if that was just because I had the cheat sheet of the thing. It was really clear to you as well. No, it was really clear to me. And I love that Mando eventually just turns to Carter and looks at him confused, like. I yeah. know. I'm I, I'm here too. We're listening together. That's why it was funny because even with the yeah the subtitles off, you could definitely hear. I don't know I, that moment where he goes bad baby, no squeeze, bad baby, and then like they have to push like Grogu away. Like I love that Grogu is like super aggressive with other characters. I love that he 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 gets in people's space. I think it's just they're just crafting a character that I'm fascinated with. I love it. I, I kind of I, I also just loved. I, I was imagining. Oh, go ahead. I kind of assumed it was Grogu finally like, oh my god, somebody my age and size, we will be best of friends. It's a little buddy. He gets to be the big kid. Yay! He gets to be the big kid. He's the little kid all the time, and now he gets to have somebody who can look up to him the way that he looks up to people. It would have been a wonderful wonderful friendship if only he'd caught him on a lunch break. So I I did love, I loved him hunched in the tiny little space. Like, that that was a physical humor that was... Not subtle at all, but it was understated, where he just was crouched, crisscross applesauce in this tiny little space, <laughs> which also then led me to imagine the puppeteers beneath him doing this, which is extra fun for me to just imagine. But I, I loved that, how real the world felt. And the, yeah, the space was big enough for a person because they got to deal with people sometimes, but it's not made for them. It's just like, yeah, you know, come into my office if you want to. Yeah, so... This all ends with Mando, Mando basically saying, okay, well, this part that you don't have, which is in essence the memory, yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go get a new one. Like, like so that, that's what he's doing. That, that's one of like, let, let's keep track of it. That's one of like three quests that this episode basically sets up as p- potential arcs of the season. Yeah. When you, yeah, when you press select and you go to quest, it's the third this, one in the drop. This is on the log now, yes. <laughs> the so, so then we get a space battle. It's pretty cool. In essence, Mando's up there with Gray, uh, with Grogu and the pirate, who is one Man. of pirate King Gorian Shard's men, has a bunch of other men with him. They attack Mando. They lead him to a ship that gets locked on Mando, but Mando, boop, hits it in the hyperspeed and leaves. What? Um, so I liked this scene a lot, and one, it was just fun, and two, it actually showed almost in the same way that the Boba Fett showing up in the other Mando seasons made you respect Boba Fett more and showed him showing off the things that he doesn't get to. This showed off, not only is his ship actually awesome, because my brain always thinks that his ship is flashy but kind of a crappy one, because we mostly have seen them blow up and things like that, and in the video games I played, they were never ago. the good one. 
I know. And the video games I played, it, the Naboo fighters were not the good ones. You didn't want to use them at all. Yeah. Well, at least this one is. And or he's really good at this too, and we just don't get to see him do space fighting very often. But he's just that good at dog fighting. He's just running circles around him. He's just a ghost killing them from the shadows, and it's amazing. I love it. In, in, in terms of our own theories. They seem to be setting up these pirates that they're going to be recurring characters to some degree. We had Gorian Shard specifically named. We met Vane. Do we assume that these are going to be the main villains of this season or more of like a secondary recurring villain? What, what, do, you, what do you all Second. think? I vote secondary. I think so, too. I think it'll be a pain in Jinjarin's ass. Like when he's just doing something else, this pirate will show up and be a, a pain. I, I did like when they cut to the uh, – what's the guy's name? Pirates. Pirate King Gorian Shard. King Gorian Shard. He was a cool looking guy. Like he, yeah. he was an interesting looking creature. Yeah, it was sort of like Davy Jones but, yeah, nautical effect going. It's it's just it's just Pirates of the Caribbean in space. It, yeah. he, he he looks very mossy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when you're creating, you're having to create other species. Uh, I think for me, as long as they look somewhat realistic, like it could be a thing that exists in this universe, which. It does. And is memorable, then I'll take it. Like, I mean, they got it. They, they can't just make a bunch of humans. They all have, they have to look different. They gotta look different somehow. They gotta look different somehow. So, okay, I'll take it. A, a Star Trek has worked for decades on the basis of an alien being having a slightly different eyebrow. You don't need much. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a, a fair criticism of Star Trek is that they all look like yeah. humans, basically. Put money on a detail of what I think they're going to do. I actually expect them to be the number two, but to be in league with whoever the number one is. Like, say somebody from the Empire actually is going to be the end big bad or something. But why? Why did the pirates go here and pick the fight on the day he was there? Chance could be, but then what do they do? They go after him. Okay, plausible. They want revenge. But then he says, "Hey, you know, pirate captain, I'm leading him to you." And they talk rather than shoot him straight out of the sky. So it wasn't just revenge. They wanted either him or his ship or Grogu, and they knew about him something so they know about him someone's told them about him they are working for the big bad it's my theory maybe i'm very convincing that's my that's my tagline today they show up at kalavala which is another planet the mandalorian system and there's a mandalorian castle there and they go in i will say that when they landed and they were going up to this castle uh, my wife thought that the droid that was greeting them was particularly fancy. So I guess that Bogotan's got a little money. Mando and Grogu get out. Grogu's in his pod. Love Grogu in the pod. They walk into the castle. They walk along down a long hallway and they see Bogotan sitting very lazily on a throne looking chair. Mm-hmm. Bo very easily has her helmet off. Just a great contrast with Mando, whose entire existence now is to apologize. He's got, he's on a 30 year apology for removing his helmet for 12 seconds. And he's there to join her. He says he's there to join her. And she's like, well, there's nothing to join. And she explains that when she came back to the Mandalorian system here mm-hmm. now on Kalavala, but there's also Mandalore without the dart saber, her voice is melted away. And she asks him if he still has the saber. He says, I do. And she says, then you lead them, wave that thing around and they'll do whatever you say, which was okay. vaguely sexual. It was pointedly, it was pointedly sexual, it was almost pointedly gendered. It felt like to a certain degree that she, that she was almost implying that she had been further rejected on the basis that she was a woman. In terms of how, I didn't get any of that. I didn't get any of that. Maybe you're right, but you might be reaching there. 
Perfect. The, the wave it around kind of had certain connotations just in terms of language use, but they may have been just doing that for the sake of the audience. Um, you wave a flag. Waving a flag. I don't know, dude. Two out of three people here thought it was vaguely sexual. I don't know. It's a saber, too, dude. Uh, but it's also one thing, well, just a question practically. Purity. You've never pra- known love. Practically speaking, it has been probably about two and a half years since they've seen each other. So there has been a significant terms of progression of her off camera from what he has previously known. Cause he seems legitimately surprised. It's like, I was expecting to come to you and find you as like a, at least a regional dictator kind of thing, you know, slowly rebuilding the armies of Mandalore. Instead, he seems legitimately caught off guard that she is alone in a castle, not even just lounging, seemingly just brooding on a throne. Brooding is the yeah, right she's word. Bro- she's brooding. She's a failed Batman. <laughs> Yeah, he asked her if she's given up. Okay, go ahead, Jamie. Go ahead. I, I, I've got something sort of off topic, so we'll come back to it later. Okay. He asked her if she's given up on her plans to retake Mandalore, and she says that his cult, see, she calls mm-hmm. uh, his order a cult. He does not call it a cult. Uh, gave up on Mandalore a long time ago. She tells him to go home. There's nothing left. He says, I'm going to Mandalore so that I may bathe in the living waters and be forgiven of my transgressions. She says, well, you are a fool. She tells him there's nothing special about those waters, which I believe. She says the planet has been ravaged. She tells him if he wants to go, then fine. Uh, where he wants to go is beneath the Civic Sitter and the city of uh, Sindur. And Mander, Mando says he'll go and he'll find out. The planet is really poisoned. Bo-Katan says goodbye, Jinjarin. It made it seem like that might be a forever goodbye between the two characters. I doubt mm-hmm. it is. Oh, she, she, I don't think it will be, but she right now thinks he is literally going to go get himself killed. He is going to die on the surface of Mandalore. And so he ruined everything, refused to elaborate, and then fucked off and died. That's what she really thinks is happening right now, and there's nothing she can do about it. She is, she is saying goodbye to him forever. She'll come she, back because she's awesome, but she, had she a level, expects him to die. She had a level of indifference to him that I almost expected her to attach a tracker to him so that she can go find his corpse and take the sword when she needs to. Well, because if he dies, like, on a landmine, somebody needs to go find it. Mm-hmm. What makes you think he, she doesn't already have a tracker on him with, like, life support and sensors? She would if she could. You know, Probably. She could. I think that what we're meant to take away from this is that the fact that her forces melted away because she didn't have the dark saber has made her get so dejected that she truly is kind of done with all of this. And it's going to take something to pull her back in. And I don't think it's just Mando being in physical danger by going to Mandalore. I think something else is going to have to pull Bogotan back in to being concerned with the fate of other Mandalorians or Mandor writ large. Stronger. Is he going to have to become the king that she would be willing to follow? Is she going to marry him so she can be the queen? And he the could, shipping starts. Let me tell you this. He could do worse than Bo-Katan. Well, that's what I said. Uh, and, Strong and agree there, better, too. But, you know, she, she, well, I don't know if she could do better. She's kind of she's kind of mopey these days. I don't think she could do better either. All right. So I am, uh, I'm done with the episode. That is the end of the so recap. Wait, I, I have one thing before we move on to this kind of recap. It's something I don't understand. Maybe you can explain it. Sure. Please. Why are we so hung up? about him taking off his mask to say goodbye to Grogu when he had already taken off his mask and been seen by other people to go get the plans in that, you know, uh, empire base. He had already done it. Why does the second one matter at all? I, I, don't, I don't think he specified when he admitted to the armor what happened. He just said, I took off my mask. I don't think she even knows the details about how many times it happened. She may be even more pissed to find out it was twice or three times now, actually, because also... He took it off when he was treated medically as well back in season one. 
So nobody saw that. No, nobody saw that. It, it, they true, it's a droid. Because he says, and I, I've I've heard a complaint about this that I don't share, of you know, of how do they eat? Of course they would have to take it off. It's like yeah, and they address that. They address it offhand once in one episode, but they said he takes it off every day to shave. He's not a man in the iron mask where he's like Wolfman yeah. under there. He just can't be seen. And so mm-hmm. the one for the medical, he wasn't seen. Like a blind guy and a robot were the only ones. Well, they, they even commented on that that I'm not. I'm not. No living man has seen me. It's like I'm a droid. I'm not living. Yeah, very true. So, but he. But, I think it, the, mm-hmm. the whole I'll take my mask off to say goodbye to Grogu. I'm like, I don't care. Like I and and may, it seemed like the Mandalorian cared that he thought this is for sentimental reasons. I don't need to do this, but I'm doing it anyway. And the one on the base, I needed to do to achieve our goal i guarantee you the blacksmith wouldn't have cared because you can you can always just die like dying is always an option instead of taking off your mask you didn't have to take it off on the at the empire base either so maybe that's it that he feels like one was optional and one wasn't but the blacksmith wouldn't care well i don't i think spencer's right i don't think he he ever caught when she said have you taken your mask off he didn't say yeah i took it off one time for to see Grogu, like he just said, yes, I'd have. So he might be in his head thinking of both of those instances. Uh, okay. I, she they, didn't they inquire further. Have, she just accidentally said, "You're apostate now. Fuck off." You're, you're right. I mean, it, it, they never clarified which one they were caring about. But in the episode where he takes off, say goodbye to Grogu, they made it seem as if that was a big deal, and I didn't understand why. And it sounds like what? maybe it's objectively it was a big deal to him, but. By the rules of their order, it wasn't a big deal because he was already apostate. I, I think it was just purely subjectively that that was okay. necessary under the circumstances. It was part of a mission. There was an objective. There's an element of justification. Even from what we heard from the um, armor here, that you know someone didn't take it off you, you actually voluntarily took it off. Whereas that moment was purely about an emotional connection with somebody he cared about for no other reason other than the baby was gesturing for him to do it. That felt much more emotional and specified in terms of interacting with another person rather than something he can just purely ground in his duty. Tied to what we said was his two-season mission of rescuing and protecting Baby Grogu. Or I'm mixing the two now. Baby Yoda. Baby Grogu. That's good. That's what we'll call him. Both sides will be happy. Okay, that's the end of the recap. <laughs> we normally uh, do a best line of the episode. Do we, does anybody have any thoughts on best line of the episode? I've got a couple. Bad baby. Bad baby. Bad Baby is on my list. That is on okay. there. Fire uh, uh Other ones are um, early one, but if I visit from, from Mando, if I visit the planet and I can bring you proof that I bathed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore, then by creed, the decree of exile shall be lifted and I will be redeemed. And then Armor pauses for a second. And it's like, well, yep, that's the law. It just goes, this is the way. And Mando responds, then I will see you again. Quest one. You are such a lawyer. Yeah, it it was literally. There was Mando was legalizing the crap out of that situation. It's like, wait, wait, wait. You're saying it's impossible, but you're still saying that's what I have to do. So if I do it, I win, right? And she has to agree. He basically came back just to get her to reconfirm. Hey, this thing you said two years ago—that's still good, right? Before I go and like do it. The deal. Yes, you suicidal man, yes. Uh, one line I like that I referenced a little bit earlier on is uh, when Cre- when 
it's I, I'm, I'm, I'm call, keep on calling him Apollo Creed. Damn you, late. Uh, when sure when Apollo. <laughs> when, well, when, look, the two years that we just had were the training montage, basically. So there you go. I would have liked before. it better if we got the two year training montage. Um, but when when, <gasps> when, oh, when gosh, I want that montage now, man. When Apollo Creed sees you know Baby Yoda again, he he just keeps calling him a critter, and Amanda eventually interrupts and says Grogu. To which Creed responds, come again? Mando says, his name is Grogu. To which Creed just says, oh, if you say so. I felt like that was such a nod to the fandom of them just trying to convince everybody that his name is Grogu, and the fan base just goes, no, it isn't. Yeah, they, they made, they've made multiple jokes about that now. <coughs> you okay there, Jimmy? I, no, no, you just murdered me. I can't breathe now. <laughs> They've made multiple jokes about that because they did another one on the Grogu name in the the Boba Fett series. They, they, they fourth wall. They're very aware we don't like it. I appreciated the fourth wall break there. Last one for me. It's just not. It, but but no, I just no like. Yeah, uh, last one for me. I really loved how Bo-Katan discussed the fall of Mandalore and the cult, where she says, your cult gave up on Mandalore long before the purge. Where were you then? The children of the Watch and all the factions that came before fractured and shattered our people. Go home. There's nothing left. I love that description because I feel like it's going to go into the themes of the season about the importance of finding purpose, the importance of finding family, what draws people back together, and also simultaneously what brought them apart. She's not blaming the Empire here. The actual cause of force. She's blaming internal division among their own people that broke them long before the Empire put a final gravestone on top of the grave. That was interesting. That's going to have a lot of tension going forward of where he's tearing the markers of the Mandalorian people. He's going to Mandalore as part of a religious quest, but it's for the purpose of his own faction that the broader Mandalorian people in some ways blame as being representative of what brought about the downfall of their race. That's an interesting little bit of philosophical lore that we're getting there that I think is going to be directly a tension that we'll further explore in this season. So I think that's four or so in terms of quotes for me, but uh, any preferences among y'all? So I want to say yes. Everything Spencer said was the great lines. I got, I got nothing to add, actually. I think I'll award honorable mention to Bad Baby, No Squeeze Bad Baby, because it made everybody laugh. Right. It's three for three that, on this that, podcast. That, that should be honorable mention. It should not win. This should be honorable mention. I appreciate the, that. The winner, I think, and I didn't even write it all down, so Spencer, I'll, I'll rely on you, to, if you don't mind, to say it again. It needs to be Bo-Katan's line to the last one that you did, Bo-Katan's mm-hmm. line to Mando about – his people and the cults and the thing. Yeah, all that. I think that needs to be it because that, that is the, probably the line that gives us more indication of where the season. And I think I would have to bet where the Ahsoka series is going as well. Yeah. Really? And so it's probably the most charged and most important of any of the lines that we got. Well, it, I mean, even if it doesn't tie into that series, which you very well may. I think you're probably right that it shows us either this season or next season of Mandalorian, not to look too far ahead, would have to be about this cult and the Mandalorian people. Would have to be, I mean, they've been slowly but steadily building that lore and that interaction, and that deserves a payoff soon-ish. It, it also so she's just, painting like a path. It also, just in terms of the sheer number of Mandalorians we've seen, the cult's out recruiting everybody at this point. It's like they're, they're well, were, I mean, twenty. How many other ones have we seen? We saw Bo-Katan with two. Yeah, 
she had an she she had an army or something that we didn't Not see it off screen like a flotilla or a stolen what did it say stolen stolen mercenary armada or something. She certainly had a lot of people during the Clone Wars. She had a lot of people during the Clone Wars. A lot of them were killed off in the process too. It seems like the race has not been replenishing their numbers at anywhere near how quickly the armorer can just summon a whole collection of new recruits to her faction. Whether those are new people that have flocked to her banner or that they're just actively recruiting faster than anybody else, it feels like what was previously a minor cult is going to be a pretty powerful force politically once push comes to shove later. Well, well, look, the people of Mandalore have to, like, grow by breeding. The foundlings, they just find people and say, hey, you! You're in. You're one of us now. You're in. Repeat three sentences and here's a helmet. I'm really good. I'm going to make that song now. I'm going to make In the Navy, but in the Mandos. I'm going to do this. Yeah, I don't know. You you hold me to that. We've seen some production stills stills from the Ahsoka series, and there's a lot of Mandalorian helmets uh, going on there. So I think think it also has something to do with that series. So, yeah, I think this is the most important line. That is best line of the episode. Okay, anything else we want to cover before we wrap up our coverage of – Episode one of season three of Mandalorian. Nostalgic moment of the episode? We could do nostalgic moment of the episode. Happy to do that. Um, I, I've got I've got three to start us off. Boy, if you guys want a second to think. Sure, fire away. Uh, as we already said, space whales. Not because the space, space whales yeah. themselves are nostalgic to me, because they, they, I think they're more part of the modern canon rather than necessarily the legends. We, they're referenced in legends, but they weren't talked about as much. Um, but just for the sense of mystery, just for the sense of wonder, just for the sense of magic. Star Wars has been so great that it is a sci-fi setting that has magic work in it. And so having something like that that just seems like a dragon is flying through the cosmos around you is just a wonderful aspect of tapping into that lore that Star Wars balances out can, can balance out so well. So point to that. A proper asteroid thicket fight. Star Wars does asteroid thicket, starfighters whooping around each other better than anybody else. It's completely unrealistic, and I don't care. It's awesome. Star Wars asteroid thicket, starfighters going about around each other is something I've loved since Empire Strikes Back, and I will never stop loving it. Uh, and this is an in one for the show, but the show itself has enough of a legacy now that I can feel nostalgic about it. But the thing that made me smile the most, made me most happy that, oh, yeah, the Mandalorian is back. Those comic book credit cards. Those little yep. credit cards in love the full comic so book style at the end. I love them. I want a book of those. They're so great. So so you call them comic books. I think of them. They look like the cover of a pulp science fiction yes. that you buy in the airport because you forgot to bring your Game Boy. Like, it, I, have, I have a bunch of crappy covered, no, you've never heard of the author, Sci-fi books, somewhere in a box, but, with all those covers. They're beautiful. But, and those are the inspiration for Star Wars. Lucas has said that those kind of just the most pulpy book Rogers kind of thing were what inspired him to do Star Wars, along with, you know, epic ep- epic mythology and everything else, of course. So it, it feels so perfectly Star Wars that we get those at the end, because they're the inspiration for the entire series. That style, that pulp. And, and I also love, and I, this is a weird thing to love, because I'm not even sure why I love it and don't hate it. I love that it's not that they took a still from the show and they drew it. It's like somebody described it really well and then somebody drew it. Like they're in different order. They're standing they're in different places. Different perspective, like, yeah. It, it, it's almost like they took the storyboard ideas and just went off with them. But I love that. It's just if, if this scene played out a thousand times, 
it would look this way one of the times. It's it's just fun. So yeah, I I'm gonna give uh, everything in the episode to Spencer because I just gonna copy all of his answers. His answers are like good ones. Lee, you got anything to add for nostalgic moments that you had with her? Of course, the return of Baby Yoda, who is the just the the apple of your eye. Yeah, probably. So I think that the battle with the big crocodile mm-hmm. probably can harken back to early season season two. When there was, I think there was, Mando had the battle with. Oh, the Mudhorn thing? The, well, there's the Mudhorn in season one. Yeah. And then there's one. another battle with a big thing at the start of season two. Like, I think that they've done that now in three straight seasons where there's a battle True. with a big thing. I don't choose it for my nostalgic movie episode only because I didn't particularly like the scene that much, but I think that that's, they're, they're called, like, they, they're doing a little motif there that the beginning of the season, they fight a big thing. Um, and, and you know, if that's on purpose, the idea of how much easier it is for him now, just showing, like, no, no, we've, I, I've done that. Starfighter. Starfighter, and let's move on to more important things. It's not a bad way. If this is serial progression, though, what the hell? Is he going to kill Godzilla next season to just start off the season? No, next one, we're just going to be watching him. He's going to see one of these things eating a villager. He's just going to take a hot shot as he flies by, and he's going to keep going. Having never investigated what's Doesn't going even on stop. down there. They also, between just, the two series, kill one. didn't they kill the the Craig Dragon they did, yeah. Oh, yeah. That. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's becoming a thing. I think my nostalgic movie episode, there's not, but there wasn't a lot of them here. It's hard to pick the Anzellans because, like I'm saying, it's my nostalgic for the sequel movies, which is just not the case, uh, would be the do-do-do-do-do-do-do when Mando comes in. Small thing, yeah. but it's pretty cool. This is, this is a show that, that does music right. It is nice to use music as effectively – we've talked before about the Star Wars theme song – the moment that starts playing, you start – it has immediate chemical effects in your brain when you hear that. We're hardwired in that way. And this show's done a good job of making those just kind of little just musical edges that immediately trigger a response in this dog whistle style. So, so I'm dumb in a lot of ways. And one of the ways is with music where I don't even notice some of this stuff and so until you all tell me. Like I didn't even notice. I'm going to have to go back and listen. I don't know what Blacksmith's song is, is. I didn't know she had one. But I guarantee you when it comes on, part of my brain – like subconsciously notices it. Well uh, done. Heck, when we were talking about the other shows, I I didn't realize Leia had her own song. But then when it played, of course I knew that she was about to walk on. I just never had occurred to me. There's so many more Star Wars songs that my brain kind of blurs them all into one Star Wars song, but they're all very distinct. And they're just sometimes used so subtly that I notice that it's happening. And I do love that. Um, it's... Star Wars and Lord of the Rings are two where the music does so much heavy lifting mm-hmm. on that you, it's impossible to overstate how important it is because it's so subtle and so effective. Neither one would have been nearly as good across the board without the music being what it was. Yeah. Well, in terms of overall thoughts of this episode, Lee, I want to give you the first chance on the rug, but what did you think? How would you score this out of five? What would, what would be your final thoughts on it? I'd give it a four out of five. There were some consistency issues, but ultimately it accomplished what the series accomplishes, which is that it's entertaining, it's endearing, it's fun, it's the cool side of the pillow of Star Wars, like when all you're questioning what 
everything else, when you don't, maybe don't like one of the books you've read, you're not digging the comics, you're not super excited about a season two of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan didn't do it for you, Mando's the other side of the pillow. Uh, it's fun. It's, it's something we can all agree on, and that's the cool thing about it, is that by and large, if you like Star Wars, you like The Mandalorian. And that's pretty cool. That's a, it's a nice little little bellwether for the series. Yeah. What about you, Spencer? I would probably give it a two and a half, three, and I don't mean that critically. I feel like this was in very much a opening episode of where its goal was to check boxes and refresh us about where people were. This was a place-setting episode. I think it accomplished that. It's setting up what the quests are. It's setting up what the purposes are. It's setting up where each character is now that a significant period of time has passed and how the world has changed in that regard. It does that effectively without doing much more. I had some quibbles with respect to aspects of the episode, but the, this is hitting the hallmarks of what Mandalorian is and what I like about Mandalorian, even if I had some issues on the margins. So it is an effective opening episode. So uh, you, I, I feel like I feel like I'm gonna just eventually merge into like the the anti Spencer or something, just like the dark smear of you. Join I, the I, club, like, like two. And I mean that in a negative way, which might sound surprising because I've been mostly talking about all the stuff I love. I've been being real positive. I meant everything that I said. The episode was boring and nothing happened. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit when I say that, but the only scenes that I actually enjoyed while happening, not in what I thought they did with it or the service that it did for the storyline or the backstory, I liked basically everything with the pirates and I liked the, uh, the Muppets. And everything else I kind of was bored with. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of because, like you said, it checked the boxes, it updated us, it set us on a path. And it kind of almost had to reboot it a little bit because of time passage and because stuff happened in the off season. I give it a two out of five, and I don't mean that complimentary, honestly. I think this is, like, bottom. I have a really high bar for Mandalorian. I told you it's my favorite of the Star Wars ancillary products. Um, it's like bottom three episodes of Mandalorian for me. Uh, it's not the worst because the frogs are a thing, but it's like bottom <laughs> three episodes, honestly. You, you both hate frog ladies so much. It's so, so stupid. And I actually like the frog lady episode. episode. It's terrible. Well, it's terrible. here's the only thing I'll say back to that is you, you it's not, so it's a, a short show. It's a 30 to 40 minute show. It's not uncommon for some of the earlier episodes in a season to be sort of set up episodes where they're talking about the mission quest. Here's what Mando's going to be doing. And it like not quote a lot happens because they're establishing what he's going to go do later. And they set up two different quests here in this episode, not just one. At they least. set up the, yeah. So they did, they did some work in establishing what the season would be. But yes, if you're looking for point A to point B, what did Mando and baby grow, grow uh, baby Yoda do? Well, probably not a lot. It's a setup episode. It's episode one of the season. So I think now, you're right, so, but I think that's kind of the point. So to be more fair, uh, a lot of seasons lately have released, when they do release them one at a time, like episodes one and two together, or one and two and three together or something, I probably would be more forgiving if they'd done one and two, because I would lump them together more, and then something would happen in two, and one was important setup. I, I don't, it doesn't change my rating of two out of five on it. But I do acknowledge the things you said of what it served. And I mean everything I said earlier, the things I liked, even some of the stuff that you all were critical about, but I liked and thought made sense. And did a lot of lore building and backstory, which was neat. But I feel like I feel like this episode could have been an email. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. This could have been the title crawl at the start of every Star Wars film. 
kind of. Well, the well, if considering the sequel movies, all of this with like two scenes total. Considering the sequel movies, the the crawl can do a lot because the crawl of the last one was just like, well, the emperor's returned, and you're like, okay. what the fuck? Open with Whew. that. It's like, holy smokes. Harry, Harry, let's end on this. I have a question for you both. Oh, come Especially, on. They said, they said somehow. They explained it with the word somehow. Somehow. So, Spencer, we're not going to get you till midway through the season again. Yeah. I'd like to go to you first, and I'm going to Jamie, who's going to be with me every week. Spencer, what would success for this season of Mandalorian be for you as a watcher? Not what you think the fans would like, what you think Disney would like, what Spencer would be happy about, what would be success for this season? Uh, continued character growth of Mando in terms of earning a place for himself in the universe that's not entirely driven by other people. I don't want this to just be a quest of him happily rejoining the cult and returning to like the same mindset he was back in season one. I want there to be forward progression of him earning his own place in the universe that it could be associated with a family, but as part of better understanding himself and what he actually wants rather than just kind of latching onto that. At the same time, like you said, I want a similar arc for Grogu. As you said, you one of the things you like you mentioned before you really liked is that Grogu made a choice. That Grogu decided what he wanted for himself in the universe. I want more of that. I want them both to be able to grow together. If we're going to have them back together so fast, rather than growing apart and then coming back together, they're going to need to grow together. And we need to see a lot of that in various ways. They've set up three quests for that effectively to happen on. I think in some ways we kind of flirted with some things I'd very much like if they went in certain directions about going on a quest for a purpose, but then better understanding to what degree that's not possible and then developing as a result of that. I think that could make it for a very interesting, entertaining season if they go that route. But what I don't want is just purely more of the same. I don't want this to just be a solely episodic adventure where no one particularly grows, but we just get more adventures over time. I think the show could have been that and I would have liked it, but it's shown me it can be a lot it has shown me it can be a lot different than that and in some ways grander than that. And I so I want them to continue to explore that possibility. Okay, same question to you Jamie. What would be success for you as the viewer that you would look at this and go, "Me, what I like about the show it has been successful for season three. I am Spencer. I would like a lot of small scale stakes. Important, maybe life or death, but not big overarching save the world. I like it when it's small and personal. I like Monster of the Week. I like Episodic. I do like the character growth. I would love it if in the end he basically says, and I don't know if this is happening this season. It's just a place I'd love to see him go where he says, like, I'm going to keep my mask on, helmet on, because I like it. And it's what it means to me. But fuck you, blacksmith. And fuck you, cult. I'm off. And just says, like, screw you. I'm making my own Mandalore for my own me. Um, so the, the, the development, but still keep the helmet on mostly because that's kind of important. Look at you. I see a lot of good small stake stuff. And if you have to kind of shoehorn that in on side quests, I'm okay with that. I think it's fun and interesting and world building. And not everything has to be keep the Empire from coming back and keep them from cloning everybody and keep, you know, the whole thing intact and save the world universe. Someone can just be save an old guy who needs saving. 
JP, I actually, I don't think we disagree at all. I actually, I think that, I think that can work with the character growth I want in a way that I feel Mandalorian does well on the smaller scale. It all, it does, not everything has to be, you know, bringing balance to the force with every single show and every single character that we see here. Andor showed you could do little stories quite successfully. Mando's been showing that for years. Keep with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's what well, we've established. Lee, what, what, what are you, are you though? Um, we, we want we, we we want to know the people want to know he and I are the people. Yeah, I think it's very similar to what you guys said. I'm I'm less the episodic stuff I'm fine with. That is clearly what the show is, but I do sort of I am sort of in it for the larger season long stuff that is more character building. I'm I'm watching the show seventy percent for Grogu, so like I'm <laughs> I'm I'm really interested in the choice that he made to join Mando. I hope they revisit that at some point. I hope that the training he got from Luke is on full display at certain points. And I think through what we saw in a trailer, I think we're going to get maybe a little bit more Grogu's backstory. Cause I, I think we still have this, the, to me, the most important un- unanswered question in the entire series and maybe all of star Wars is how did Grogu get out of order 66? And that, that still hasn't been answered. And we did get a little bit in the trailer that we're going to go back to that in a flashback at some point. So I'd like to I'd like to know that if they don't give me that this season, they got to give me that at some point, but if they give me that this season, then I'd be really happy. So let's say if I could summarize it in a sentence, I would say maybe more, more character development choices, backstory, history of Grogu. Understood. Uh, guys, I, I'm going to be watching most of the rest of the episodes off camera, but I will be tuning in to listen to you guys yammer about each episode going through to the middle and the end when I rejoin you. Yep, we'll pick Spencer back up in the middle. Jamie and I will be soldiering on to review Season 3. And then we'll be back with you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good week.